Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains paranormal conspiracy and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Happy Happy New Year! Year. I was like, when are we going to say it? It's 2022, bitches. So welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. And this is episode 67. 67. AKA the first episode of the year 2022. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Maybe I'm not. (laughs) It's going to (laughs) suck. We're just not giving it any like uh, hype because the second we do... I it's had, down. Well, that's because we all had such high expectations for 2021. <laughs> we really did because 2020 just sucked Sucked. For, for everybody in the United, everyone in the world. Everyone 2020 in the world. sucked. And yeah. so we were all like 2021 is going to be it. Like 2021 is going to be lit. Yeah. 2021's got 2016 energy. And then 2021 was like, hi, I'm 2020 back again. Round two. <laughs> Hope you're ready. Heard you bitches looking for me. Yeah. So... <laughs> I just, I feel like we had a lot of expectations. And then do you remember the drama last year, like on TikTok where everyone was like, we like 2021, the new year was a giant glitch. And like, we like switch. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. And I actually watched a TikTok last night. I went down this like rabbit hole of like glitches in the matrix and universe jumping. And then I fell into this thing about highway hypnosis, which that is so cool. Whoa. Yeah, it's basically, you know, like how when you're driving and then you like come yeah. to and you're, and you're like, like, how did I get here? Yeah. yeah, it's that. But on a different level for like when you're driving for long periods of time, like truckers get it mm-hmm. a lot. And it's like you disassociate from your body, even though your brain is still driving accordingly. You're mm-hmm. not going to get in a wreck. Like nothing's wrong with it. Yeah. It's just you disassociate. And people say that you universe or dimension trip in those times. So anyways, this girl was talking about like, can anybody tell me exactly what you were doing in this month, this month? And it was like April, August, um, and like May. And I was like, I mean, I can tell you like big moments that happen, but I can't like normally I can remember like pretty vividly like, oh, yeah, I remember this day like and I'll go back to my camera roll. So I start going back to my camera roll to see if I can like remember anything. There's like no pictures on my phone. Weird. Yeah. Like there's very few of like my face like sending a Snapchat on my memories. But like and then if there is, it's like wedding shit. Like nothing that's like memorable to me. 
Damn. Yeah, in 2020. Like, go and just, like, look I at it. I saw something called, I, I don't, don't, like, hold me to this. I don't remember if this is what it's called, but it was, like, phony time. Oh. And basically that we have our years all mixed up and that this is the year, like, 1730. Oh. And it was, like, going through, like, each and every, like, um, ancient calendar mm-hmm. like that we go off now and like saying like how we fucked it up so bad like in the earlier years like in the 15 and 1600s I mean, yeah. like, it, that wasn't that i wonder and because that, there there's no way that we have actual like written evidence of how, a lot yeah of time what does the year represent the or age of the earth no because remember it started the over age of it's jesus okay everything's ad and bc like Right, but we count time before that. Yeah, and that's backwards for us. Okay. So I I don't know how the hell they know how old this earth is because you're trusting humans I mean, to yeah, keep track of you time. You can study like geology, but also like can you I mean like you can you can look at a tree and you yeah. can tell how old it is. You can plant a tree and you count can the count things. it and you know like you can study it and base it off that, but you what makes you think that like trees are the same as like you know counting the earth's like mantle crust or whatever it's called like how you know like you don't know you really don't know and then i went when i was i've already talked about this once on here before or maybe 500 times who fucking knows um but talking about sevilla when i was over there studying abroad i'm like walking down the street with the guy that was like from our like um not our host family but like the company that we were using to travel over there and he like set up our school and everything it was like IES and we're over there and we're talking and blah 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 and we're walking to go to lunch at this like really famous lunch spot that like you have to go to if you're in Sevilla and he like points over at this and he's like there's like this little piece of white column sticking out of the ground and he's like oh yeah that's from the first century that's crazy I'm like huh what and then we like go and then obviously like i went over to italy and they're like telling us this shit and i'm like how is this still here like yeah that makes it blows my my mind does not work how did they make it i i don't aliens yeah oh my god there was this other tiktok and i swear to god we'll get to the stories um (laughs) tiktok and it was like shit you should care about and it like shows like this man and he's um like it's like a pharaoh and he's going up seen him before yeah and he goes up to the other guy and he's like i'm thinking a triangle and the guy's like what's a triangle look like what is that and he's like like this and draws it in the air and then he's like and then four of them and he's like how many is four and he's like one two three four and he's like and then what do we do with it what does it mean and he was like I don't know, but it sounds good. And he was like, where'd you get this idea? And then it like flashes back and he's with an alien on a spaceship. spaceship. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> so funny. I was cracking up when I saw it. But yeah, I love that dude. He oh does my such God. funny stuff. It's like a conspiracy comedy. Like, yeah, it's so good. I've seen him. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's hilarious. Okay. Oh, shit. Well, I guess we should dive in. Yeah, we don't have much um, to say. We'll <laughs> tell you guys about our holiday breaks next week for you guys, which is three weeks for us. Yeah. We're pre-recording before Christmas, so yeah, um, there's that. So Christmas also, hasn't happened yet for us. No, so. it's like Christmas. But Happy New Year! Happy New Year, everybody! I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it and nothing bad happens. Uh, stay safe. Watch out for your friends, please. 
please, please be aware of your surroundings. But before we move on, if you guys aren't already, hop onto our Instagram. It's Creeps and Crimes Podcast. And then you can follow us on Twitter, Creeps underscore Crimes. I'm not the best at keeping up with that one, but I promise I'll catch up whenever we get back from all this craziness. Um, you can go like our Facebook page. You can listen, you know, make sure that you're subscribed and downloading each of the cases that you listen to. That's how, you know, we get our points and everything and obviously you hear us talk about it all the time um rate and review us if you haven't and spotify just released that they are putting that feature on spotify so for hey. all of our spotify people please 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 go hit us up on there and then morgan tell them about our patreon um yeah is our link in our bio yep it's in the description and in our bio yeah so scroll down from this episode click on the patreon link join it it's five dollars a month you get two exclusive episodes and other exclusive content on our patreon app um you'll also get our like each month. history yeah like everything that we've already pre-recorded and that helps really get this podcast put together for you guys Those, yes that money does so we're not unfortunately Ooh. we're not going to spend it on starbucks coffee <laughs> we do have things that need to be paid to provide you guys with this content so yes if you have it and merch so and merch if you we'll have get to it that later hit that link and Let's ride. Oh, yeah. And congratulations to our giveaway winner. You guys have been released when this episode comes out. Oh, yeah, but we, we don't, don't know, know who, who you are is. yet. <laughs> so true. congratulations. All right. Uh, hit them with it. OK. If you're driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? Okay, so I think that I have officially come across the most convincing alien abduction yet. Oh, shit. So I have to share it with you guys. Uh, my sources are wikipedia.org, washingtonpost.com, countryroadsmagazine.com, wlox.com, and SoundCloud, possibly, if we attach the link. Um, this is the abduction of Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. Mm. The story starts in 1973 in Pascagoula, Mississippi. 19-year-old Calvin Parker had just moved to the area with the intentions of working hard, making some extra cash, and quickly returning back to small town to marry the woman of his dream. So really, he just needed some wedding money. Unfortunately, his get-cash-quick trip turned into one of the most traumatizing moments of his life. Ooh. Charles Hickson, 47 years old at the time, and a town mogul. Is that how you say that? Mogul? Mogul. I don't even know what that is. Like, he's like the town guy, like a mogul. I don't know what that is. Okay, maybe I used the word wrong. I d I've never even heard of that word. Okay. Well, um, the um, town dude. The town dude <laughs> um, had helped Calvin get a job at the F.B. Walker and Sons shipyard, where Charles had worked for many years. October 11th, 1973, was Calvin's first day working at the shipyard. And Charles, being your typical southern friendly man, asked him if he wanted to go fishing after work. Calvin, unfortunately, didn't move to Pascagoula to fish, so he didn't have any fishing gear with him. But of course, Charles said, you know, like, don't worry about it, and you can use some of mine. Calvin was ecstatic, and in a later interview, he says, Now, for a man that loves... Oh, let me let me get an accent on this. <laughs> okay, let's get on. All right. Oh, wait. How do you do a southern accent? Now, <laughs> my southern accent? Yeah, do do a, do something. Hi. Hi. <laughs> or is it an older one? Um, we're talking about an older Mi Mississippi. You got to make it really slow. 
And it's now, gotta be right here. For a man that loves to fish from the south to offer you to use his fishing equipment, that's like him offering you his wife. Just unheard of. You don't decline. Which is so true. That like, is holy so shit. True. Like, and it reminds me a lot of my dad. Like, yeah, I know, my, that was your dad's voice. If, if my dad like told one of my or one of my, one of our boyfriends in the family or like a friend or something, like, oh, you can use some of my fishing stuff. Like, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. No one touches his shit. No, my grandfather, my pap, my mom's dad used to say, "You never give a man. You never share your lawnmower, your boat, or your wife." Yeah. <laughs> Which is just so funny. So anyway, Calvin took him up on the offer and the two headed a short distance away from the shipyard after work. The bugs were really bad in the area they first went to. So the two headed back towards the shipyard and they stopped at an area that had fewer lights. Therefore, there'd be less bugs because bugs are attracted to lights. Um, Calvin pointed to a, quote, posted sign, which is basically like a restricted area when they got there. But Charles told him, well, that don't mean nothing. I fish here all the time, which is true. If you're a local fisherman, like those signs don't mean shit to you. Yeah, you um, know the spots, man. So they walked out in Old Pier and they threw their lines in. They were waiting for a bite and Calvin said that he was just so focused on an old oar boat that was across the water. He was mesmerized by it because it was made of steel. He's a young kid. It was made of steel, and he was just so confused how something made out of steel could float. And this is in the 1970s. Oh, so, like, so you know, like, your boats are like... Well, 1970s. I know, but you don't see, like, these big steel boats then. Yeah, I guess. I don't know much about Well, boats. maybe not him, you know? Yeah, maybe not him. So, while staring out across the river, Calvin and Charles noticed blue, hazy lights coming from behind them. Thinking it was the police, Calvin turned to Charles and said, quote... Charlie, we in trouble. You lied to me and we fixing to go to jail. (laughs) But when the two stood up and looked behind them, it wasn't the police. It was something that they would later realize was out of this world. There, about 20 yards away, was a long, ovular-shaped craft that was floating two feet off the ground and emitting a light so bright that it was blinding. Oh, and walking towards them were three small, bulky creatures that had claw-like hands, and they almost looked robotic. No. Panicked, but still confused on what they were actually seeing because that light was just so bright, the two really had no time to react. Two of the creatures grabbed Charles, and the other grabbed Calvin, and then they were carried on to the craft. Before entering, they both recall being injected with some type of shot, and after they got injected with whatever this was, and they called it like the shot from hell, yeah. um, their mindset was entirely changed. They went from being absolutely terrified to experiencing one of the most peaceful moments of their life. Ooh, good drugs. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah, um, where did we get those? They were quickly separated and walked down a hallway, placed in two separate rooms, and laid on a table made of pure glass. The creatures left the room, and shortly after, a tiny square-shaped object came shooting out from the ceiling and started circling around their body, making, like, clicking noises. Oh. Like, it was taking pictures, but later on, they were like, well, honestly, like, now that I've had an MRI, it was a lot like that. Okay, got it. Um, But, you know, it was not as bulky like on our mri machines are huge you go in it's like around you (laughs) yeah um once it was done it just shot back up into the ceiling and then another being walked into the room and calvin remembers seeing this being and being a lot more at ease because this creature looked just like a human and being more precise it looked just like a woman he said later on in an interview 
She was normal. Matter of fact, if I'd been in a bar room drinking or something and was single, you know, at this time, I'd probably have asked her out on a date. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. So basically what we're getting is that God is a woman. God? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ariana Grande was right. She was. Um, he said she was so human-like, but with one exception, that her two middle fingers were really, really long. And then this human-like woman put one hand on his mouth, opened his jaw, and took the other hand and ran her fingers down his throat. He said he remembers gagging and his throat being so torn up that he could taste blood. Oh, geez. The other creatures that initially brought them in took them off the table and returned them back to the bank of the river. I know. Would you still really want to ask this lady out on a date? She's jamming her freaking long ass fingers down your throat. Um, Back at the bank of the river, both Calvin and James, extremely freaking terrified, agreed at first, you know, let's not tell anyone what had just happened to us. They really were in complete shock. When they got to Charles's car, the front passenger window was shattered, but oh. still in place. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was still there. Where it looks like a bunch of spiderwebs. Um, and the glass didn't completely break out of the window until they opened the door. And then the car engine wouldn't turn over like they had a dead battery. For the time, Charles said that, you know, he never really had issues with that car. And arguably it was brand new. Um, but after numerous attempts to get the car to turn on, it finally did. The drive home was quiet until they realized that they both had a puncture wound in each arm and they don't remember where that's from. This is when Charles decided that we need to tell the authorities about what had just happened to us. Like You're fishing in an illegal spot and we need help. It's times. But Calvin, in disagreement, not wanting to sound like a complete lunatic, like this is the 1970s. If you say anything about aliens, Mm -hmm. like you're... You're crazy. Yeah. Um, But he didn't really want to attempt to, like, disrespect an adult, especially Charles, who was, like, his role model and, like, really helping him out in this new location they just moved to and getting him the job. Um, So he decided, like, whatever Charles wanted to do, he will do. So Charles called the Kessler Air Force Base to report it, but were quickly shut down when they informed them that they don't handle UFO reports anymore and to just call and report it to your local authorities. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Yeah, we're the Air Force. We don't really mess around with that. We used probably to do that. because they got a lot of crazy calls. You yeah, know? they and probably like, did. Yeah. Um, Calvin and Charles pulled up to the Jackson County Sheriff's Department to report what had just happened to them. They were immediately separated into two rooms and were questioned, almost interrogated about their experience. Mm. Of course, the local authorities didn't believe them. After a long couple hours of questioning, they asked if Charles and Calvin would be okay with taking a polygraph test, and both of them agreed. They then sent them to the same room while the polygraphs were being set up, and they were in there together for about an hour, an hour and a half. Both Calvin and Charles passed the polygraph test, and over the course of the next couple days, they were subjected to voice stress tests and multiple hypnosis sessions, which is really interesting for a police department. Yeah, I've never heard a police department doing this. Not Um, even for a murder investigation. Yeah. Well, I this is at this point, like, UFOlogists had, like, came in, and, like, they were, like, working, like, in hand with the police. Um, Their stories had lined up almost perfectly, and they were passing everything when they got home, Calvin was adamant that, like, the aliens had infected him with something that he actually took a bath in bleach. Oh, Calvin. Calvin. D- no, please, Calvin, sir. I don't think the bleach is going to help you. Calvin. Whatever they put you in, I don't think the bleach is going to fix Man, I, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, within 36 hours of the original police report, everybody in the small town knew of what had happened to the two men after work at the local shipyard. And then the news went nationwide and thousands of alien believers swarmed the small town in Mississippi. 
Press was swarming their workplace so bad that it resulted in Calvin losing his job. Oh. Um, they were once again interviewed by UFOologist Dr. Alan Hynek and Dr. James Harder, who actually were the scientific advisors for three huge United States Air Force UFO studies. Um, and these studies are Project Sign, Project Grudge, which I've never heard of, and I'd really like to look mm, into okay. it. New, and so- Project, new story. <laughs> and Project Blue Book. Oh, yeah. And their stories were credible. Oh. <gasps> Calvin went home to his fiance and received some intense criticism by his future father-in-law. He got another job, but the press would find him and no workplace in the 1970s really wanted some alien abductee working for them. So he would lose every job he got. Like it was like an ongoing cycle. He eventually had to change his name to Randall and he kept quiet and out of the press until recently in 2018. Charles was well known in his area and he was he's the town mogul module whatever it is um Charles was well known in his area and he was able to handle the media a little bit better he would tell about his experience to anyone who wanted to know he went on tv shows he published a book in 1983 about it like he was like you know your top notch like yeah it happened so right. you want me you want to hear about it let what me do you tell want me you to say? yeah yeah Charles passed away in 2011 Sad. Um, in 2018, when Calvin came out of hiding, he was a bit more open to recounting his experiences. He, you know, was doing interviews whenever he needed to, like if people came and talked to him about it. And he eventually published a book as well. Aww. And in 2019, groundbreaking news about these two men's case came about. An eyewitness who watched the <gasps> entire abduction take place came forward. Where the hell have you been? 45 years later, Maria Blair came forward as the first credible witness to an alien abduction and the abduction of Charles and Kevin. <gasps> that same night, Maria and her husband were sitting in their car across the river. Her husband, Jerry, was scheduled to leave on a boat to work offshore, and they were waiting for the captain to get there. And her husband, Jerry, decided, well, I'm going to take a nap. I'm working overnight. You know, like I got a long night of work ahead of me. So he took a nap in the car. And that's when Maria noticed a blue light that was blinding her from across the river. She woke her husband up and they both stepped out of the car and walked towards the bank of the shore. They watched as this blue light went up into the sky and it moved around without any sound for about 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Um, And then waves just came crashing in on the bank like something large had fallen into the water or some type of force was like pushing pushing the waves. Um, And the blue light just zoomed away out (gasps) of sight. She had no idea what was going on until the very next day when Charles and Calvin's story hit the news. She knew she had just watched two men being abducted by a UFO. She believed that's what it was, and it was too weird of a coincidence that the very next day, a story breaks of two men being abducted right after she saw this strange blue light that she first, you know, threw off her shoulder as like a plane or like a helicopter or something. And she never talked to anyone about it except her family because, well, her husband really wanted her to keep quiet. Mm -hmm. He said that when... or. If and when she would talk about it, her husband would tell her to basically, like, shut up. Like, people are going to think you're crazy. Like, stop talking about this. We don't need this name for our family. Like, he was very, like... I mean, I guess I'd be scared, too, after watching them all, like, struggle for so long. Yeah. And, like, just... Yeah. So, after seeing Calvin come forward almost 45 years later, it gave her the courage to speak out, saying that she wanted to validate their story. She said, I always wanted to talk to them, just them, about it to let them know that, you know, they weren't lying because they weren't. Mm -hmm. I saw it, too, and so did my husband. 
In 2019, Maria met Calvin at the same spot where the abduction occurred. And this is, this is them. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Oh, that's just the validation that he needed yeah. his whole life. It's such a sweet picture. And it's captioned by WLOX.com. Um, it says, in 1973, Maria Blyer and Calvin Parker were separated by a river. Now with a 45-year-old secret washed under the bridge, Blair Blair, or Blair met Parker face to face for the first time at the same spot the events took place. Oh, that is I know so this man. Sweet. His life got turned upside down. He went through hell and back after he did, this, and his buddy died. And his buddy died and never got the validation that he needed. <sighs> but that's not all the validation this story has. Oh shit! In 2020, it's gonna piss you off. In 2020, when COVID 19 first surfaced, Calvin Parker heard a knock on his door. Do you remember when I said that after the police had separated them and interviewed them um, and they were setting up a polygraph, they let both Calvin and Charles go to the same room I knew for that about one an was hour and a back. half? Yeah. Well, the sheriff's department was recording them, and this was news to Calvin. <gasps> they did not know anything about this. The man on the other side of his door was an officer who worked on his case 47 years ago, and with him was two copies of the recording. Um, and he worked on this case and he remembers this case and he held on to it because that night they had 50 reports come in saying that there's something strange in the sky. That's why they took care of it. And they never told them. They never told Charles and Calvin. Oh, my God. Um, he then informed him that just about everybody at the police station believed the two, um, but only after listening to the two talk when they were alone and how scared they were. At first, officers thought that they were just trying to get famous from some crazy story about a spaceship and an abduction, but they soon realized that they were telling the truth. In the recording, you hear them talking about fear. It's it's honestly like I, I heard it. Um, let me let me go through this first. In the recording, you hear them talking about fear, sleeplessness and needing to see a doctor. Um, they were caught praying to themselves. Oh, God. Um, Calvin talked mostly about how anxious he was and like how shook up and on the recording, like I said, I do have it. I have the SoundCloud link. Um, their accents are just really super strong. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a recording from the 70s. So it's really hard to make out what they're saying. And I would hate to like put it on here just to, for, for you guys, guys be to confused. be rewinding it. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read you a couple transcripts from the clarionledger.com. And then I will attach the SoundCloud link if yeah. you guys want to. It's 30 <clears throat> minutes long. And you can just hear in their demeanor that like these two Southern men are like, what the hell just happened to us? Um, one thing Charles says is, Jesus Christ, God have mercy. I thought I'd been through enough of hell on this earth, and now I've got to go through something like this. But they could have, you know, well, I guess they, well, they could have harmed us, son. They had us. They could have done anything to us, but they didn't hurt us, which is true. Um, Calvin at one point says, I just want to cry right now. What's so damn bad about it is nobody's going to believe us. I got to get home and get to bed and take some nervous pills or something. See a doctor or something. I can't stand this. I'm going to go to all pieces. I can't sleep like it is. I'm damn near crazy. And what really convinced the local police is when Calvin says to Charles, don't talk to them deputies. They'll come back and they'll get us for talking. Oh, God. After seeing an 18-year-old boy so shook up and so scared, they knew. They didn't make it up, and they believed them. Unfortunately, it took 47 years to realize that they weren't crazy, and Charles never got the validation he needed. That? And I'm going to kill someone. That is the abduction of Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. Oh, my God. Yeah. They had that all along, and they just... 
I mean, they were right. You can't talk to the deputies about it. They're not going to be there to defend you. They yeah. let them and all lose their so, jobs and struggle and get made fun of and, and he, die. And he was so worried that they were going to come back for them for talking. Like, like the aliens were going to come back for them to talk from talking. And right. I actually have a picture. He would like later on, like on a lot of his interviews, Calvin, because um, those are the majority of the ones that I saw. Um, he would talk about how he swears that the original creatures that came out to get them were some type of like robot, like some type of AI. Yeah. Um, like they weren't like as being, but like more so like industrial looking. Yeah. And this is a picture that they drew. Oh, wow. That's That's Charles. That's Calvin. Oh, look at them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I'm going to believe two good old boys. I am too. Like, (laughs) you know, like, you know, that like, Southern men that just want to fish every day. Mm-hmm. They're hard workers. They're working on a shipyard probably, you know, 80 hours a week. Exactly. Probably. Um, they're not going to try to do something that's going to throw a curveball. Make people think that they're make crazy. Make them think that they're crazy. Or like weak. That's, or weak. Yeah. Exactly. Like that's something that men really hold. Exactly. Especially like, this time with the Mississippi like, exactly where they were you know what they their careers were where they were at in life like they're not messing around yeah. with that yeah <sighs> and I remember Calvin saying in one interview that his future father-in-law said to his um daughter like you don't that that's who he went there to work for he weren't there to work to get cash to marry her to afford right. a wedding and his future father-in-law said to his fiance um you don't need to marry that man he's just crazy and he said years later, he came back to him and said, Calvin, son, like, I want to apologize for you. I want to apologize to you. Um, I saw a couple things and I know your story's real and I believe you. <sighs> but like they were like, I, and I'm not kidding you, like job after job, he was picking up his family, like packing up the kids and his wife. They did get married. They did have kids. Okay, good. Um, and moving. And he said it was the hardest, like 20 years of his life. It was just never... Never end. You can't be stable. So if you are listening to this and you are like some type of like alien like fanatic Mm -hmm. or like extraterrestrial fanatic and like UFO obsessed, like you do not have the ability to harass people like that and like like let it go almost. You know, like I can't stand people like well, paparazzi drives me nuts, but then again, paparazzi's a paid thing. Like they, you know, like also you can call Nick, hey, come get some pictures of me. Yeah. You're my paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> but like these people that just like will destroy lives. Exactly. And, like, and that just pisses me off. But yeah, me that is the story. I absolutely believe these men. And I will post the picture of Maria and Calvin hugging when they met 47 so years after the event. And you guys, that is all I have for you today. And the SoundCloud link's going to be in our description. So yep. go listen to that. Dude, that one is the best one. I think so, too. It just has the most, like, validation to it. And yes. a lot of cases don't. Yeah, a lot of cases don't. And the fact that, like, it pisses me off that they waited so long. But the fact that there's, like, hardcore evidence of just, like, how true this is and the amount yeah. of reports that came in, like... That, that feels good for anybody to hear that does believe in aliens or, like, believe that they have witnessed something. Yeah. Uh, I think back to all of our alien creepy accounts that we've covered, like... I know. Y'all sit in creepy accounts. Yeah, send in some creepy accounts. What are y'all accounts. doing? What have you guys been doing? Please. Uh, we would love to do a creepy you. account episode. We've got, uh, like, three in our pipeline, but we can't put those out until we have at least three more, so send those in. Yeah, we want actually 12. Yeah, we'd like 100. 
actually. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I got. You're up, sis. All right. Hey, when you're with your family at holidays, ask them oh, yeah. if they have any crazy stories and send them to us, yeah. please. Get them drunk. Yeah, get them drunk. Get them really <laughs> drunk and start talking about your favorite podcast with these two fucking sick ass girls that you love. All right. It, it, it's like the TikTok where it's like your mom's like, you're not going to ask people about your their paranormal <laughs> experiences at Christmas time. And then it's like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I am. am. <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit. All right, guys. Add time. Looking to start your spiritual journey or connect with a loved one that has passed? Psychic medium Susan Edwards with Angel Wings and Healing Things has the ability to kickstart your spiritual awakening. Susan has 30 years of experience and is a certified angelic medium with a passion for speaking to deceased loved ones while leading you on your spiritual journey. Being a holy fire karuna reiki master and working with sound therapy, Susan has the ability to teach you all of the skills you need to protect, release, and grow your energy. I personally have been seeing Susan since December of 2019. Throughout our time working together, she has brought me peace with my loved ones, helped me connect to my guides, and cleansed myself and my home many of times. Want to connect with your past life? Susan is a certified consulting hypnotist that has the ability to do just that. Susan is located in Knoxville, Tennessee and offers in-person or over-the-phone readings. Because of the amazing lessons, readings, and healings that we have gotten, Taylor and I have decided to partner with Susan to bring you the same level of peace that she has delivered to us. To receive 10% off of your first reading with Susan, message Angel Wings and Healing Things on Facebook or text 704-562-3476 to set up your appointment telling her that we sent you. You might need it after listening to us. That is 10% off your first reading. Message Angel Wings and Healing Things on Facebook or text 704-562-3476. And tell her we sent you. Ah! East Tennessee people, listen up. Do you have an engagement, graduation, or wedding coming up? Or do you just want to spice up your social media? Look no further because we have the photographer for you. Best Picks is a Knoxville-based photographer that is down to travel, hype you up, and show off your smile. Lexi is the photographer that brought us our season two photos and new logo. So we know she's amazing. Feel good about the money you spend on a photographer by choosing Best Picks. She is a voice for those who are not heard and works hard to give her clients the best sessions possible. With her confidence-boosting morale and kind heart, you won't just get a session, but a friend for life. You can find Lexi on Instagram and Facebook at Best Picks or her website, bestpicks.com. To book your session today, email alexandra.best.king at gmail.com. You won't regret it. L-I-T-B, sister! Did you miss our lash ads? Well, guess what? We are back with even more. Afterlife Lash Extensions is a Knoxville-based lash studio that offers everything from classics to super volume. Not in Knoxville? Or would you rather have falsies? Afterlife Lashes has it all with their own strip lashes for sale on Instagram at Afterlife Lashes. All of their products are foam mink, silk material that is vegan, cruelty-free, and is sent to you in a reusable coffin packaging that is so cute and so on brand. With three years experience and a three-time certified lash artist, Afterlife Lashes is here to give you the best experience possible. 
Take a nap on their ultra-soft lash beds with great music and even better vibes. Use our code CREEPSANDCRIMES to get 40% off your entire order of falsies on afterlifelashes.com. To book an extension appointment, DM Afterlife Extensions on Instagram and mention Creeps and Crimes podcast to receive 40% off any service offered. Happy lashing! Okay, guys. Okay, what do you have? I'm excited. Guys, the case I have for you all today is probably one of the craziest true crime cases I'm ever going to cover. Um, Point blank period. So before I dive into this and give you the sources and all the things, I do want to give a shout out to Valerie. Uh, She texted us about this uh, case because she listened to it where I listened to it the first time, which was on Crime Junkie and was just as obsessed with it as I was. And um, I had this on my list to do. But I just couldn't think of a better case to like bring us into 2022. Yeah. Because this one's just so good. And Valerie was so excited for it. Yeah. So. I was like, I have to do it. Yeah. Like, I really do. I mean, Valerie, like, is always our number one girl. So I got to give her, you know, some love. Yeah. All right. And you can follow her on Instagram at, is it Val in the Stars or Valerie in the Stars? Um, Valerie in the Stars. I yeah. Think. Go. She's got like a really awesome, if you're into astrology and all that stuff, go hop on there. I love hers. It's so yeah. stinking cute. And she always reminds us about new moons and everything like that, which is nice. She lets us know when Mercury is in and out of retrograde, that's for sure. She'll like message us and be like, yeah, that was Mercury. (laughs) Yeah, All of the shit that went wrong that episode. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys. So this is a case of Teresita Bassa. My sources are the Boston Globe, JenBaxterMedium.com, Unsolved Mysteries, Washington Post, News.com, Find a Grave, The Lineup, Vocal Media, Crime Junkie Podcast, Chicago Now, Reddit, Historic Mysteries, If Walls Could Talk Podcast, Morbidology.com, Wonderland of the Weird YouTube Channel, Beyond Belief TV Show, and Chicago Tribune. So let's hop into this. In 1977, Teresita was a 47-year-old Filipino woman living in Chicago and working at Edgewater Hospital as a respiratory therapist. However, her job was not her first love. Teresita loved music and the piano. On the side, she gave piano lessons out of her apartment, and she was also going back to school and working to get her do- working on her doctoral thesis in music at Loyola University. And she was writing a book. Holy shit. So this woman did everything. This woman is the shit. She is the shit. She was known for being very kind and generous with her time, always very easy to talk to, and loved taking care of those around her. On Monday, February 21st, 1977, Teresita worked her shift as normal at the hospital and returned home to her apartment, talked on the phone with a few friends until 745. One of the phone calls was with her friend, John Abela, I believe is his name. Um, They were talking about tickets that they were selling for a concert. And I'm not really, I couldn't get a ton of details on this, but I'm pretty sure it's like the music school's concert. Um, So they talked for a little bit and they spoke from like 7, 10, and then for maybe 10, 15 minutes before she had to go because someone had came to her apartment door to buy some of the tickets. So next, she called her friend Ruth after she got done with that exchange, and that was around 7.25, 7.30, and they just talked, like girl talk, until like 7.45, 7.55. So at 8.40 p.m., just an hour later, some of Teresita's neighbors who lived just a few doors down the hall began smelling smoke. 
So they immediately called the building's janitor to see, because he was there, if, you know, if he was like with it, if he knew what it was, and he was like, no. So he immediately called the Chicago Fire Department and began evacuating residents from the building. But with each second that passed, the hallway and the upper stairwells were rapidly filling with more and more black smoke, making it extremely hard to see and even harder to breathe. When firefighters arrived at the scene, they were able to determine that the source of the smoke was coming from apartment 15B, Teresita Bassa's apartment. The firefighters broke the door down and found the source of the fire. It was coming from a mattress laying on the base of the bed frame, like in the floor in her bedroom. So they looked around to see if she was home. She was nowhere to be seen. So they put out the fire. And then as the smoke cleared, firefighters noticed that there was something underneath the mattress. So they lift it up and that's when they see her. 47-year-old Teresita with a pile of clothing on top of her body and very burnt. They move off the clothing to see that she is naked with her arms behind her head and her legs spread. Oh my God. And a kitchen knife deeply impaling the center of her chest and so much blood. Homicide detectives arrived on the scene just minutes later, making this an official crime scene. Detectives were able to determine that there was a clear struggle in the apartment and the entire place looked like a robbery gone wrong. Every drawer, drawer, cabinet, box and bag was dumped onto the floor and like searched through. Teresita's clothing, like I said, had been piled onto her chest and used to start the fire. Despite this, after an autopsy, investigators were shocked to learn that she had actually not been sexually assaulted or raped. In fact, she had never had sex before, ever. Because of this fire, a lot of potential evidence had been destroyed. So in an effort to solve this bizarre crime, investigators went through every inch of this apartment, looking for even the smallest details. There was nothing that seemed to be missing from the apartment from what investigators could tell, meaning that this entire entire robbery looked staged, as well as her sexual assault. But who would directly target Teresita and want her dead? And why stage a sexual assault? Exactly. Why was she left in that position? From the interviews that they had conducted at this point, they knew that Teresita had no known enemies and that that there was like no instant that she would ever invite a random stranger into her home like at her door yeah but like into her home no and it didn't look like the struggle began at the door it was like someone had come into the apartment with her so they keep digging so while they're looking around and going through all of her belongings for just anything they come across like her planner and on today it said get theater tickets for a dot s like an initial Well, in an attempt to figure out who A.S. is, detectives like go through all of her friends. There's no one with that initial. So they're like, okay, this is weird. So they sit down and they interviewed all of Teresita's friends, co-workers, neighbors, piano students, classmates, just like anybody that really knew her, like hundreds of people. And this is how they meet Ruth. Ruth and Teresita were best friends and that's who she was on the phone with, which means she was the last person to ever speak to Teresita alive. From this conversation, detectives learned that Teresita occasionally dated, but was not and never had been married. She was quiet, kind to everyone, a good friend, and she surrounded herself with great people at her church, work, school, and friendships. 
But then Ruth remembered something that Teresita said right before hanging up the phone. Before she hung up, she said that she was expecting a male visitor. However, she did not elaborate before putting the phone down. Before letting Ruth go, they ask her one more question. Does she happen to know of anybody in any of Teresita's circles that had the initials A.S.? They didn't elaborate on it. They just asked her the question, but she did not. Just as quickly as this investigation started, it began going cold. As each day, week, and month passed, investigators were heading dead end after dead end. Police tried desperately to create new leads or track down whoever the hell A.S. was or the man that was scheduled to come visit her that night. Police pleaded to the public for anything, any tips, rumors, any information that they had. They just needed something. But unfortunately, from the few that they did receive, there were no solid leads until August 1977. Five to six months, I don't know how to do math, obviously, after (laughs) Teresita's death. The head detective on the case, Detective S, arrived at work early one morning. As he said his hellos, grabbed his coffee, and made his way to his desk, he noticed a note sitting on top of his paperwork that was not there the night before. And it was a note from the Evanston Police Department, another police department in Illinois, And it was about a possible lead in the Bossa murder investigation. Without hesitation, he immediately called. The police officer that answered the phone said that someone is claiming to have information about Teresita's murder, and the officer gave the detective a contact. But he would not elaborate on it more, and he was acting, like, weird about it. So the detective's like something's not right. So he looks at the contact information that he was given and was for Dr. Jose Chua, who lived in a suburb of Chicago. So Detective S gets a hold of Dr. Chua and asks, you know, if we can set up a meeting. But Dr. Chua was extremely hesitant to talk to the detective and it was just like giving off weird vibes. Not like he was trying to hide anything or was guilty of the crime himself, but more like he was embarrassed. So they set up this meeting at the doctor's home and Detective S and his partner, Detective Lee Eplin, made their way out of the city for the meeting. After a few minutes of small talk and trying to ignore the giant elephant in the room, which was the odd behavior from the doctor, Dr. Chua finally spoke up and he asked detectives, do you believe in the occult or the supernatural? Detectives were shocked and taken aback about this entirely odd question, but played it off as well as they could without making Dr. Chua seem like he was crazy. Well, after a few moments of head nods and awkward silence, Dr. Chua spoke up again, and he said, Listen, I'm a man of science, and I believe in miracles and crazy things, but I think of things in black and white. And what he said next knocked the detectives off of their seats. The doctor sits up right and he says he believes his wife, Remy, who is also from the Philippines, has been possessed by the spirit of Teresita Bassa. What? He goes on to explain that it all started with extremely weird dreams and that Remy was having these and they were about Teresita. 
She began getting ill and was like not doing good, having to take naps during the day, which was nothing like his wife. She would ignore them as much as she could and go back to sleep, thinking that she was just creating all this in her head because, you know, she knew of Teresita because they ran in the same circles, but not like they were close friends or anything. But night after night, Teresita would come to her in her dreams. And then one night, as Remy was sleeping, she sat up in the bed in a trance-like state beside her husband. And she started speaking to him in Tagalog, which is the, at the time, Filipino, like, native language, Yeah, I, I believe. I'm not really sure how to say it, so please forgive me. But it was not her voice. It was another woman's voice. Now, Dr. Chua and his wife, Remy, both were Filipino, and they both were able to speak this language. However, they did not speak their native language like often. Most of the time they would speak in English to each other so they could practice it more. But this voice wasn't just speaking this language. It was had like a Hispanic accent to it, which was so weird. Like he was like, why would my wife have a Hispanic accent speaking our native language? Like what? So the voice turned to Dr. Chua and said, I am Teresita Bassa, and I need your help. And Dr. Chu is like, what the fuck? You know, no, like, you're you're my wife. Yeah. You're he's running. like, what's going on? What's going on? And the voice says, I am Teresita Bassa. I need your help. And I need you to go to police because I was murdered by a man who had come to help me fix my TV. And his name is Alan Showery. I have chills. A-K-A-A-S. Slowly, the woman pleaded for him to go to the police as her voice faded away and his wife slowly laid down. Seconds later, Remy woke up and rolled over to her husband, who was obviously in a state of shock at this point. And and asking, Yeah, and asking her thousands of questions about like what had just happened. But the more and more her husband rambled, the more confused Remy got because she had no memory of what had just happened. She just thought she was having a weird dream. Because of the weird dreams that Remy was having about Teresita in general, they just kind of shrugged this off. Like maybe she was just sleep talking and, you know, whatever. And they let it go. Well, a week later, the same exact thing happens. Remy was asleep beside her husband when she sat straight up and began talking in that voice again. And once again, the voice claimed to be Teresita Bassa. But this time she was angry. And she asked Dr. Chua why he had not gone to the police already. Dr. Chua, now shocked at himself for even like talking to a ghost, was like, listen, I'm a doctor. My mind works in only scientific ways. And what's happening is unbelievable for me to hear. So I knew if I go to police, they're going to think I'm crazy. And the voice gets like annoyed with him and then told the doctor that she could give him proof that she was really Teresita coming back from the grave to solve her own mystery. It's going to be you. I know. It's going to be me. Oh, my God. <laughs> she went on to say that not only did she know his name, Alan Showery, but she knew what it was that he took from her apartment, which is something that police didn't even know about. 
Teresita was born to a very wealthy family in the Philippines. And because of this, she owned very expensive and unique pieces of jewelry that not many people knew about. And they were always put away because obviously she's not going to be around like flaunting this, you know, like this is something very important to her and her family had been passed down. She told Dr. Chua that he had taken several pieces of this jewelry that was purchased in France by her father and gifted to her mother and then later passed down to her. It was a pendant necklace and a gold and pearl cocktail ring, specifically. And not only did Alan Showery steal these pieces, but he then gifted it to his girlfriend. And Teresita knew all of this shit. Oh, She'd been my taking God. notes. And then the voice gave the names of four people and their phone numbers that would be able to identify these pieces as belonging to Teresita and put Alan away. So the two detectives are like floored, mouths wide open, mind racing. How is this even possible? There's no way this is real. These people are crazy. But no one knew that the initials AS were that important. Like nobody knew about this. And especially after learning what Ruth and Teresita had spoken about over the phone, only really Ruth knew that there was someone coming over there that night. So this seemed Again, absolutely unbelievable. And they just weirdly wanted to believe Dr. Chua. Like, I mean. And did Dr. Chua know about the initials or no? No. Before this? No. They had no idea. And they didn't even confirm it for them because detectives are like, what the fuck? So they're like, you know what? What do we have to lose? Why don't we just look into this? So they thank Dr. Chua and his wife, Remy, for their time, and they let him know that they're going to look into it and get back to him. You know that you know that they walked out of there like, like oh, what the frick has happened to us? They're like, oh, my God. So detectives, you know, are like, let's do a little digging on Mr. Alan Showery, which is when they learn that he lived just a second's walk away from Teresita, like not far at all. And... He was her co-worker from Edgewood Hospital, just in a different department. So they go up to the hospital and they're like, hey, you know, we just have some questions, like being really like low key about it. And they're like, you know who Alan Shari is? And they're like, yeah, actually. Um, and they're like, you know, did she did he know Teresita? And like, oh, yeah, they knew each other. Not like super close or anything, but well enough to have conversations, which is when two of the people from the hospital were like, yeah, actually, he was going to fix her TV for her. Oh, my detectives God. are shocked, to say the least. Like, who in the world would believe this? I mean, if this lead was the lead that broke this case, would it even stand up in court? Probably not. So every move that they made had to be calculated, smart and focusing on finding tangible evidence that a judge and a jury would actually believe to incriminate Alan Showery. So the first part of their plan was to just drop by Alan's house unexpectedly, his apartment. So they knock on the door and Yanka K, I cannot pronounce her last name, greets the detectives. She told Alan that he was home. This is his girlfriend, that he was home and he would come to the door. So they get Alan to come to the door and they're like, hey, would you mind to come down to the station to just, you know, answer some questions for us? We're, you know, basically just interviewing everybody that works at the hospital, just trying to get a better idea of Teresita's routines. And Alan's like, yeah, absolutely. So they go down to the station and they start the interview. And police told Alan that they were told that he was the last person to be with Teresita because he was fixing her TV. 
Alan's like, no, 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 that wasn't me. I never went that night. I've never even been to her apartment. I don't know where she lives. But detectives knew that he was lying, so they asked him again, but this time telling him that more than two people confirmed this story. So they knew that he was there that night, which is when his story changes. Well, you know what? Yeah, I did go over there that night, he said, but only for a few minutes. I He went on to explain that, he had gone to repair the TV as promised, but after assessing the issue, he realized that he did not have the proper tools to complete the job, so he returned home to his apartment with Yanka. So when he got back home, Yanka told him that there was like some electrical issues that they were having, so he repaired those before going to sleep that night. Detectives are like, great, then you stay here, and we're going to go back to Yanka and just make sure that she's good with the story. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So they head back to the apartment, and they speak with Yanka, and Yanka's like, um, no, we did not have any electrical issues. And even if we did, he would have no idea how to fix those. So no, that was not him. This Never was to do him. it all kind of thing. Yeah, actually. So, you know, they're like, okay, well, was he home that night? And she's like, I can't remember exactly, but I want to say that he did step out for a little bit to run to the store. But again, that was almost like six months ago. I have no idea what we even did that day, you know? So this is when detectives knew that, it was time. It was time to ask Yanka about the jewelry. Oh, shit. So this is their biggest leap yet because this is this lead only came from the ghost of Teresita Vasa. So they're like questioning themselves on this almost. Like, do we ask this? Are we going to seem crazy? But it just came out. And Yanka said, yeah, actually, he did give me two pieces of jewelry. And she shows them her hand and her neck. It's a pendant necklace and a gold and pearl cocktail ring. Oh, my God. Their mouths had to be wide open. You know, they're shocked. So he's like, she's like, actually, he gave them to me in February as like an early Valentine's Day gift, late Christmas gift. Shocked. Investigators are like trying to ramble their words together and like, well, you know, do you mind if we take those down to the station? You know, we'll bring them right back. We just need to take them down there. And she's like, yeah, of course. So investigators used the notes taken by Dr. Chua when talking to Teresita Boss's ghost and called the contacts that they were given to identify the jewelry and had them meet them at the station that day, like seconds later. And I'll be damned. Once the contacts arrived at the station, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they were able to positively identify these pieces as belonging to Teresita Bassa. Oh, my God. Detectives went back to the interview room with Alan and told him about their findings, pressuring them him to tell them more. And he did. He confessed. Alan admitted to detectives that he decided when he went to fix Teresita's TV that night that he was going to rob her because he desperately needed rent money. He said he wasn't getting paid for fixing her TV because they had agreed on a trade. Alan would fix the TV and Teresita would give him two concert tickets to thank him. So that night, she let him into her apartment willingly, as planned. And as soon as she turned around to lead him to the TV, Alan attacked her. He went on to explain to detectives that she was not sexually assaulted, but he had stripped her to make it look as if she was and then stabbed her in the chest for good measure. He then searched her entire apartment for cash, but he only found $30. So to make this worthwhile, he found the jewelry when searching through everything and took it. 
Alan Chowry was arrested and charged with the murder of Teresita Bassa. The case went to the trial on January 21st, 1979, and Alan pleaded not guilty. Did they bring up anything mm-hmm. in the trial? Yeah. Oh, shit. Four weeks later, it ended with a hung jury. Because the jury just didn't know what to think about this story. If you're a skeptic, you know, why would you believe this in the first place? And then also, the defense brought up some really important details that Dr. Chu and his wife didn't tell police in the beginning. It turns out that Remy and Teresita were not as strangers as they had described it. Like, yeah, they knew the same people, but they were never friends. They weren't best friends by any means. However, Remy used to work at Edgewood Hospital as a respiratory therapist as well. They never worked the same shift, but they did trainings and orientations together and meetings, obviously. And Remy knew Alan Chowdhury, too, and she didn't like him. Co-worker said that Alan scared Remy. She just got bad vibes from him always. So was this all just like a cover-up for her to be able to blame him for it because she just suspected it? But if that was the case, how would Remy have known about the jewelry, number one, and know the contacts and the name of people to deliver that just like off the top of her head? Yeah. So... You know, police are just like, holy shit. Like, how do we even, like, go about this? But before they could even get to it, the media ate this case I bet they did. Headline after headline. The voice from the grave comes back to get vengeance. Like, it was insane. This was, like, national news in Canada, too. Like, this was crazy. So the retrial happened and because the prosecution got one. And Alan was awaiting for his retrial when he had a change of heart. Oh, did he? For a plea deal, of course. Um, he decided to plead guilty in exchange that he would receive a sentence reduction. And Alan Chowry was given 14 years for the murder of Teresita Bassa, four years for the robbery, and four years for the arson. However, he only served five years before getting out on parole for good behavior. Are you shitting me? That is the case of the woman that Are came back me? to the grave and solved her own murder. Five years. Five years. Oh, my God. Okay, well, that pisses me off, but... Isn't that crazy? This case is insane. Insane. I wish that she would have went to Yonka. Is that Mm -hmm. her name? Would have possessed Yonka and, like, woke him up in the middle of the night and was like, what's up, mother effer? Surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) Surprise, shawty. I'm alive and I've got your girl. Yeah, literally. Turn yourself in. That's so crazy. So I wonder what type of connection, like, her and Remy had. That allowed her to do that. I believe that. that they went to the same church, and I don't know. Like, a lot of people were saying, like, basically, maybe someone would have helped her out more if it was someone that was, like, from her same culture and, like, knew a lot, like, she yeah. did, you know? Yeah, And believed in the things that she believed in. So, that makes sense. But, wow. oh, my God. All for $30. Yeah. That... That's insanity. Mm-hmm. Guys, um, I did a very condensed version of this because we don't have a ton of time. If you guys want to hear the full length of it, please go back to my notes and look at the podcast that I sourced. You can go read all the articles. I just had to give you a fast one. No, I loved time. it. Okay. There's a lot of detail in it. There's books about this. It's crazy. I, I, Is there a movie? I, there should be if there's not. I don't know. I can look it up and let us know. Oh, I need to watch a movie on it. Okay, so Valerie, good. great recommendation. Yes, thank you, Valerie. Holy shit. I'm going to be thinking about this for days. I know. I this know. is just so, like, guys, this is such a Taylor thing <laughs> that if something, well, you know, Taylor, I'm being a Taylor right now, saying that she's going to get murdered or something, but 
if Taylor, if something were to happen to her, she would 150%, like, probably possess Aaron. Yeah. To, like, <laughs> wake up and, like, look at me and, like, say, like, this is who killed me. This, And I'd be like, dude, what's up? Like, what's life like? <laughs> what like, is it going on? Like, I'll get them to the murderer part, but, like, what's it like? Tell me everything. <laughs> You're going to go to police and be like, have you ever heard of Teresita Bossa? Have you ever heard of Cruise and Crimes podcast? Please check out episode 67. <laughs> and then here, once you do that, I'll tell you what I know. I was literally thinking about last night when I was laying in bed. I was thinking about like how I would go about this if I ever had to come back from the grave. And I was like, what would I use? Like, what would be my keyword that I use? And I was like, for Logan, I would probably talk about the fact that he got me three ring boxes when he proposed to me. Well, like, now everyone knows that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like, that was like one of the things that I was like, I could yeah, use yeah. that. And then I was like thinking of like a few other ones, just like little sayings that we say that are like fucking cringe, but like whatever we say them. Yeah. And those. And then I was like, for you, I literally don't know what I would say because everything that we say is on this podcast. Like, yeah, so everyone knows it. Everyone knows everything that we say. I mean, I guess I could talk about one night particularly, like with me and you. Yeah. In the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Because not many people know about that. That's hilarious. Damn. Yeah. Oh, all you have to do is mention our living situation in college. And yeah. I'd be like, I'd be like listen, her. I swear it's me. It's her, Noodle. <laughs> it's her. Please come here, please. <laughs> and I'd be like, listen, Logan's not going to listen to anybody if they do this. So you're <laughs> the one. going to be like, Holy shit, you're haunting me? Like, is he so pissed off? I'd make the cat speak. (laughs) Hello. Milo's going to be carving into the wall. (laughs) Logan's like, stop. And I'm like, it's Tay. Oh, my God. Psycho. Okay, that's all I have for you guys today. Isn't that shit crazy? That is insane. I love that case. Me too. We really really did a trifecta here. Yeah, this was a good case. I mean, I didn't do a conspiracy, but I did a good alien. Yeah, you did a good alien. And there was like like investigation parts of it with police and all that stuff. So technically, there was a crime involved in it duo facto yeah yeah exactly it's here people loved it that was so good <sighs> yeah i really like happy it new year's guys happy new year i hope you guys have a great 2021 you guys were all safe and happy and blah blah, blah. um love ya bye